Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar So, I saw the Boz Luhrmann Elvis movie this weekend uh, when I was in Florida at the girlfriend's family's place. I went, it was me, girlfriend, her two kids, her sister, her mom, her mom's sister, and her mom's mother. Well, I'm glad you liked it, Josh. I, it's, worth a, it's worth a trip to the theater. Well, it was a very dramatic week of you texting about the Elvis movie. You're like, man, I'm I'm scared to watch it. I just like Elvis too much. They're going to fuck it up, man. And then on Sunday, you're like, dude, Elvis movie. Go see it. It's awesome. Was I speaking like uh, Theodore? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Your texts were definitely had that. William had and Theodore? That. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was better than it should have been. I, I thought it was going to be garbage. And like, whatever. You can think what you want about Tom Hanks' per- portrayal and like the voiceover and Boz Lorman in general. But if you go to the Elvis movie and afterwards you don't want to go listen to some Elvis songs because it, it's basically just a musical. He does a thing with "That's All Right, Mama" that I really enjoyed, where it's kind of cliche, but you see Gary Clark playing it in a juke joint in the you know forties, and then you see. Elvis learning it on guitar, and then you see him putting together with a big band when he starts in Vegas, and they kind of juxtaposes all of them, and you just see the development of the song from the juke joints hmm. and the you know black parts of Mississippi to this white guy taking it mainstream, and then later on that white guy using like a full band with horns and mm-hmm. all this stuff to take this little mm-hmm. bluesy uh, and and doing. I really really like that. So I would say, and the kid who does who plays Elvis does a fucking great job. Yeah, I heard the kid that plays Elvis is just incredible and makes the whole thing worth it. When I was watching the previews, I was like, man, he looks nothing like Elvis. But I'm telling you, an hour into the movie, he is Elvis. Until they do the fat Elvis, which the great thing is the movie ends with this clip on YouTube of him doing Unchained Melody like fat Elvis. Is it an acted version or the actual clip? They go from the acted version to the clip. And so that is a clip that I have shown probably 100 people over the last like 15 years and just whenever i discovered on youtube i was like oh my god this is mm-hmm. this is this is elvis's voice like he's even fat and it just still sounds so good i remember That's you showing that to me actually well like, i remember where we we're <laughs> yeah we we're drunk we we're on the roof of where you used to live uh, i think i think uh, i was before you turned in whitey bulger i think he was still there maybe listening to us and you yeah. showed that to me there were also some yeah. wcw yeah. wrestling highlights but I think you finished with Elvis. You're like, you enjoyed that? You enjoyed the NWL? Next, Elvis. I've been around many times late night. And Josh is like, everyone huddle around. Everyone, shh, shh, shh. Come here. Come here. Trust me. And then you, you just get everyone to, like, focus. And you're like, here, listen to this shit. And it usually, um, I think you even said you did it the other night. And people are like, what the fuck? And then he starts singing. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it really is. It's nuts. Well... Nick, this is your last go this time around. So we have a, a tradition here, uh, third week for guests. We ask them, I think I know the answer to this question, so it may be a, a 
short little conversation, but do you play any instruments? And if so, or if no, uh, did you ever learn how to play? Well, I guess I guess if no, did you learn how to play? No, no, no. I, I, you know what? I worked at a guitar shop as an internship, unpaid intern. So I, I hung out with a guy who he showed me a couple of things, but I never totally picked it up. But it was cool working at the guitar shop, seeing you repaired guitars. So that was kind of cool. How old were you? I want to say 12, 11 or 12. Wow, unpaid internship? Uh, unpaid internship <laughs> at 11 or 12? Like, what do you mean? So basically they were just like, hey, Nick, do you want to go hang out at the guitar shop and bug the shit out of this guitar tech for a while? Kind of. It was through school. Like, the school had us all. Your middle school? Yeah, I went. I, so I went to a Montessori <laughs> school, so you had to do a lot of weird okay, shit. Okay. And so I had an unpaid internship. Yeah, I was probably there like a month, and I hung out with this guy. His name was Gary, Gary's Guitars, and I um, was there watching them do stuff. And yeah, I definitely just annoyed him for a while, and he was trying is, to show is me. Is Gary's Guitar still there? I severely doubt it. God, he's probably dead. Portsmouth, New Hampshire, represent. Mm-hmm, definitely. Oh, poor Gary. I have managed music clubs, so like I've had to deal with writers and musicians and things like that so i've seen it from what music club did you manage uh lizard lounge and toad a lot of reptiles Uh, lizard lounge being the more real one where i had to so i had to i had to pay out the band like i had to do the contract and get well toad's more of an amphibian neil (laughs) sorry it is an amphibian and a lizard (laughs) is a reptile yeah you guys need to know so i uh you know i worked with musicians a lot like i was there i had to pay them out and who was the biggest musician you worked with uh tim garen maybe he's had a song or two in justified lake street dive came a couple times but i didn't work those nights nothing too big i mean peter wolf from the uh from centerfold uh sorry jay giles, jay giles. yeah peter wolf was a regular he came in all the time like he really Did yeah, you ever yeah. Play? he, he kind of was like i'm not that's not what i'm gonna do he would like know someone and come in and everyone would be like it's peter wolf and you'd be like that old skeleton is like yes and i'm like Oh, he did do drugs with, I think it was Farrah Fawcett, right? I think he dated Farrah Fawcett in the 80s. Yeah, he would come in and kind of haunt the place a little bit. So that was like, you know, the biggest musician would get there. But it was just a lot of local okay. local Boston acts and things like that. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't pay the real big guys. The, the big boys didn't come to, you know, a freaking 100-person music club. You're paying these guys on the busiest night, the best band, maybe 1500 bucks. I mean, bands will take that. You know, that's usually yeah. going to be about three hundred dollars per per member. So, oh yeah, definitely. As you as you mentioned, Boston Axe. This is our third week uh, taking a tour through Boston. But first, you know, we're coming off the Fourth of July. We're in the summer. We ate all the barbecue. Now it's time to to, to get into some desserts and talk about songs that have sweet in the title. So. Nick, it's your final week, and you picked a song this week, so without mentioning the song we're talking about, uh, give me a song that when you think of Sweet, if I say, what's your favorite song with Sweet in the title, what would it be? Well, I was going to marry Booth Kill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Game changer here. Okay, well, let's let's play that game. So let's, uh, let's marry Booth Kill. Uh, song titles with uh, Sweet in the name. Nick, you can think about it for a second. Neil, do your thing. I would marry my sweet lord, George Harrison. Ooh. Such a fantastic song and very kind of just 
sweet and seems like a song you'd marry. You're, you're, well, you're marrying God in that scenario, so you're probably going to be celibate. <laughs> I would, I would think about, really think about that. I was saying God doesn't like the, fuck. Come on. <laughs> It's not a God I want to believe in, Josh. God is definitely a motherfucker. That's how Jesus was born. Thank you. Well, I think um, for at least a good 10 years, I guess I wasn't looking at the title, but I always thought he said, my sweet love. Um, <laughs> Lord and love are interchangeable in the Christian language. Let's just, let's just say that. I would boof sweet Virginia, because that mm. just sounds like a damn good time. And uh, I'd definitely kill sweet Caroline. Ah, oh, Neil, <laughs> a man uh, after my own heart. Nick, have you had enough time to think about it? I definitely want to kill a sweet Caroline, and I said that as a Red Sox fan. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was going to be a three for. Oh my God, it is <laughs> awful. Sorry, Neil Diamond, not for me. Then I definitely want to. I think I think fuck sweet child of mine. Although, maybe not. Yeah. Actually, that Good doesn't call. sound right at all. It's <laughs> not about that song, but then when you think about it, you know, I have children. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to... And then I want to marry the Bittersweet Symphony, just because mm. that song kind of reminds me of marriage. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Ah, okay. A little divided up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up a little bit. I am going to marry... Now, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to marry Oh Sweet Nothing by the Velvet Underground. Oh, good one. Because I... I was going to make that my side piece. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about... about That side piece would have a beard, and her name would be Rosie. (laughs) I was going to boof it, but then I was like, nah, I want it. I want it for longer than than a one-night stand. I'm going to boof. I'm going to boof Sweet Home Alabama. And just, you know, every now and then, I just want it. Um, but I don't, I don't want it all the time. And then I am going to kill, it's tough to not kill Sweet Caroline, but I'm going to go with, uh, Sweetest Thing by U2. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill that one. Just a dagger through the heart. That is a rough U2 song. I dig that, I dig that song, but it could, it could leave the catalog. It wouldn't affect me. U2, U2, when they miss, they really miss. They're not afraid to go for it. And when they fucking miss. Oh no. Dos. Oh no, dos, tres <laughs> Uh Which, speaking of working at rock clubs, I was a security guard at uh, the Paradise Rock Club in Boston, which was their first uh, U.S. show um, in like '78, '79. Mm. And when nice. you, when I used to walk in to work every day, on the wall in the hallway, they have all these old concert posters, and that was one of them. They, it, there was one Cars concert. I've probably mentioned that multiple times on this pod. That. It was just the coolest concert poster ever. And there was a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers one from, like, 1978, which was pretty fantastic Hitting the road from Tallahassee. Tallahassee? Isn't that where they started? Wow, Neil. They're not that that skanky. Yeah, Um, they are. That's where they're from. They're from Gainesville, my friend. They're they're SEC country, not (laughs) ACC country. Jesus Christ. You don't go to a Florida State game and the entire crowd is chanting, uh, won't back down. You go to a Florida Gator game and the SEC in the swamp Fuck and you. the whole crowd is chanting, won't back down. So, recognize. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> and, and your apology is accepted. And on that note, uh, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And we are mentioning Boston and songs that have sweet in the title because this week... We're going back to 1975, 
to discuss Aerosmith's first top 40 single, Sweet Emotion, from their album Toys in the Attic, written by Steven Tyler and Tom Hamilton, produced by Jack Douglas, and released on Columbia. All right, well, I picked this song because I kind of came to it late. I'd say growing up, for all of us, Aerosmith was pretty cheesy. You know, I you know, I remember Aerosmith <laughs> as, like, amazing, crying, and the Armageddon mm-hmm. song. I don't want to miss it. Loving an Elevator. Eh, you know what, that one... I don't hate that song. Yeah, I don't know. hate that's that better, song. That's know. better than like, the three that you just named. Right, and that was it. <laughs> These and Living on the Edge, was it was a great song. Yes, yes. It... Especially compared to those three, so I. You, came you also to... forgot Pink. Oh, well, I was actually looking at some Aerosmith set list, and they they play Pink. <laughs> that's, that's beer time. That's time to go get a beer. <laughs> that is time to get a beer. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, no, so I came to the song kind of late, and I remember the first time I heard it and really liked it. It was off like a like a DJ CD. I think it was like DJ Z Trip or something like that, and he just had the bass line. And he would just cut in like these scratching, and it just sounded great. And I, he mixed it in with another song, and it was really great. And then, you know, you see it, you know, I heard it with Days and Confused. And then I would say just a year or two ago, I was, I was like, let's get into a little bit of early Aerosmith. And I heard the song, I was like, this is about the best song that they've done. And, I, and it was the first song I'd heard in a while where I was like, I'm going to listen to this a lot in my car by myself. <laughs> because it is awesome on so many levels. Um, and that's kind of how I'm into it. And I thought it'd be fun to pick a song of a band that I don't necessarily love, but it's really important. And probably one of the most popular bands ever. I mean, they could be a top five most popular rock band of all time. Longevity, too. It's funny you mentioned Dazed and Confused, because like you just said, I mean, I probably did not think of Aerosmith as like a rock and roll band that was any good until I saw Dazed and Confused when I was like, I don't know, 15. And I was mm-hmm. like, why do they keep talking about Aerosmith? And because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think Sweet Emotion is another like classic rock staple, Z106 shout out in Mississippi. So, like, I've, I've heard this song so many times. And for this and Dream On and Back in the Saddle, I think, are kind of the three songs that I knew. But first of all, I didn't know when I was younger that this song came out as early as 75. But, I, you know, this is this song is just a jam. I mean, it's. It's got a very groovy intro, and out, and the outro is fantastic. It, it really is all about the bass, and then mm-hmm. the guitar riffs. It's rocking. It's fun, but it's also one of those songs that I don't ever need to hear again. I realized this week, <laughs> mainly due to the fact I've heard it so much, and it's got some cool riffs and a good vibe. But it's just it's not my favorite Aerosmith song. But I had fun revisiting Toys and Attic. I, I, I'd heard that album years ago, and I, I haven't heard it since. And it's kind of cool to listen to some early Aerosmith. Adam's Apple is a, is a really fun song. Um, <laughs> and Walk This Way holds up. So that's. <laughs> I think Toys in the Attic is really good as well. And uh, I, yeah, yeah, I think it's a great that's album. A good, that's a good time. I, uh, I bought that album at a record store. It was a used record store, and I went in there, and the guy who worked at that used record store probably owned it was just the most record store guy you'll see older long hair just looked like he hated me from the moment i walked in the door and i went and found the album and i was like 
hey, can you put this on so I can make sure it does sounds good? And, oh, God, he wanted to kill me. <laughs> he just really wanted to kill me. But he put it on for Why? me. It sounded good, and I bought it. He Why just, did he want to kill you? Especially if you picked a sweet record. I thought, I, he, I thought he totally would have turned around. You could just like, tell, Dude, man. Yes. He was like comic book guy from The Simpsons. It was that yeah, kind of well, he was. Yeah, so he was one of those guys that like rarely got laid, and if he did ever date anybody, they probably hate his guts. Like after they broke up, like what a pretentious, good for nothing, like piece of shit. <laughs> um. All right, back to the song. I think similar to both of you, um, watching Days of Confused, I was like, priority of the summer. What the really Aerosmith <laughs> in 1977? Um, but it did in the same way. I was like, ah, I mean, Sweet Emotion's pretty good. I guess they are pretty good. It kind of like softened uh, my take on them and kind of introduced me a little more to them. And I think this song definitely elevates their whole catalog. You know what I mean? Without this song, I wouldn't like them half as much. It's almost like a a finals MVP or something on your resume, you know what I mean? It's It's got an amazing sound. Like Josh, you said, you don't need to hear it anymore, but I do think in the right time, or if you haven't heard it in a while, just that intro is so good. You can actually cut it off after the first Sweet Emotion. Just that intro yep. is so good. Uh, yep, yep. I never not want to <laughs> hear agree. that. I agree. <laughs> so, so, Neil, are you saying that they're the Kawhi Leonard of rock bands? <laughs> kind of, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we talk about like songs with rock and roll lyrics. This is just a song about rock and roll, being on the road, backstage Bettys, fucking whatever. But uh, I do love it because it's it works on many levels. Like we've all seen it many times at like the start of a race or something in a movie or like a show. It kind of like it's almost a blast off kind of song. Yeah. Or if you're like sitting around like smoking a joint, it's like a perfectly chill song. It, it can kind of work on like rocking or chilling. Yeah, that's a great point because the intro and the outro are such grooves, just chill. And then that middle section with the riffs and him singing is such has such frenetic energy of like almost like rage, <laughs> full energy. It, I mean, they, it all kind of flows well together, but it, it's just such a weird dichotomy that they're they're working with with the with the three different parts. Yeah, it's it's very unique. It sounds complex, but it's pretty simple. Like the the riffs themselves aren't easy to play, but it's just the same. It's kind of the intro part. There's the the verse, and then in between the ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum. Like, and that's it. That's it. It's those kind of three things that they just put in the right place and get super creative. That the beginning, there's a lot going on in there that makes it sound the way it does. And just a quick aside, I mean, I, I still think that Dream Own is the pinnacle of their catalog. It I is, can... but I still, it still doesn't even, it's so weird because it doesn't sound like Aerosmith. Exactly. Oh. I remember hearing that song in my parents' Cadillac when my parents were still married. So I was probably like seven years old and I was like, who is this? And my mom was like, it's Aerosmith. And I was like, the yeah. same band that does... Uh, Pink? <laughs> I was like the same band that does Sweet Emotion and like Living on the Edge. And she was like, yeah. And I was yeah. like, no way that's them. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like you still kind of like look down at like your, your phone or Spotify. You're like, is that, is that Led Zeppelin? Sure? I, I think sure it's Led Zeppelin. Let me check again. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll get into that. <laughs> but, you know, I think, Nick, you, you mentioned it originally. I mean, the, the best part of this song is the bass line, right? I mean, it, it's what so starts good. the song out. 
the whole entire time. It is just, the, it is the best melodic part of the song. It is the grooviest part of the song. And it makes sense that Hamilton, yeah. who was a co-writer and he's the bass player, and he wrote all the guitar riffs too. Yeah, he arranged all the guitar parts. It's such a cool groove. I mean, I, I feel like that groove has been used henceforth in a million different things. It's almost a standard now. Yeah, it's very similar to what uh, what Jody was talking about when we did Good Times, Bad Times, to where when he's when the riff is playing, I mean, like what he's doing is like, he's really standing out, and that's coming from someone without who doesn't necessarily hear bass lines all the time. I saw them do it live when I was like messing around. Uh, it was iHeartRadio, and uh, Sting was doing the bass for it, and uh, it wasn't good. Hmm. I'll just tell you right now, huh. it did not sound good. He did it kind of his Sting. own different way, and I was like, "Oof, this isn't not how I want yeah. to do this." So. so, are you saying that it stung? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. God, you should see what he was wearing too. It was. <laughs> I mean, I can picture it without you even describing it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing vest with no shirt underneath in his. 60s he like gave it his own like sting why would you mess with that exactly (laughs) exactly they're trying to get cute with it and also just musically you know the drummer uh joey kramer he's he's hitting on the two and the four which Mm -hmm. also always gives that a little bit of a of a different feel and a more of a what it's more like a swing feel yeah yeah it's it it gets more on the backbeat and um I didn't even notice that listening to it. I, I guess I should have. I was reading something where they, he was playing the bass line, and then they started playing the, on the twos and the fours, and they're like, oh, boy, we got something here. We got, so, we got something here. And just a quick aside as well, the, the, the reason the song is called Sweet Emotion is because he wrote it, and he was known as Mr. Sweet Emotion, which not <laughs> really, you know, white bass player, funk. I don't know if that's all tied in, but uh, well, yeah. I love it. I mean, that's one of the cool parts of this song. It's just a like, we, I got this cool groove. Let's write some rock and roll lyrics. Like, what are we going to sing? I don't know. Sweet emotion. All right, cool. When I was looking about the lyrics and stuff like that, like, uh, Tyler was like pissed off and they were doing a ton of drugs. And like, a lot of the lyrics for the song was him just being like, everyone could go fuck themselves. I'm the man. Like, I'm the one that's rocking. Fuck you, Steve Perry. Mm-hmm. Share your heroin with me. Why aren't you sharing my your heroin with me? <laughs> did, you just call, did you just call him Steve Perry? I did. <laughs> Joe Perry. Dang, this is Aerosmith, not Journey. I know, friend. I know. That um, was a real faux pas. Yeah, there's all these different stories about, uh, you know, he went to get, uh, he was mad at, at Joe Perry and his wife's or girlfriend's heroin abuse, and then Steven Tyler went to go do heroin with him one time because they were keeping him awake and they wouldn't share and kicked him out of the room. And, like, Joe Perry moved out of the band's apartment uh, which was my old apartment building in college. Nice. And so they were like all pissed. And then I guess Hamilton's girlfriend spilt milk on Steven Tyler's girlfriend. So it sounds like there was a lot of animosity. And that comes through with the way he sings it. Like, I don't necessarily like the lyric or the vocal in this song. They're kind of irrelevant, in, in my opinion. It's just about the music. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably one of the reasons that, that the song hasn't aged that well for me is because, like, his vocal is just like, Yes, I did. And, and like, and fire, and just, it's a lot of rock and roll gibberish. Like, you can tell he's pissed off about something, but do I care? No, because then they're like, sweet emotion. It's a, the lyric has nothing to do with the best parts of the song. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And like, what does sweet emotion have to do with any of the 
verse lyrics. <laughs> right. Like, like, as he try to tell himself to chill? It's just like, no, no, no. Sweet emotion. Well, just chill out. No. Yeah. I'm having sex with backstage <laughs> chicks. I want my drugs. <laughs> Get off me. It's just like, oh, it, the lyric is very dumb. It's it, it is quintessential, defend. maybe more so than any lyric we've done so far. Quintessential rock and roll lyrics here. dig Tyler's performance. I mean it, it like the the harmonies are good and it's it's a cool performance, but it, it's nothing amazing. I heard a live version where it really took a left turn for me it was right before the outro. Tyler starts doing the skibbity bop boop bada bow ya doing his <laughs> fucking scatting. I'm like, no, no one wants a scatting Steven Tyler. It was so good up until that you know, point. We mentioned we mentioned U2's highs and lows. Like Steven Tyler's lows are as low as you like he did the Star Spangled Banner at a Red Sox game one time that was one of the worst Star Spangled Banners I have ever heard. You know, coming from somebody with such a kind of renowned voice, and and I agree, like, it's not like he's singing off-key or anything in this song. It's just that the, melodically in the vocal, just, it doesn't matter. The sweet emotion part, that those are some good harmonies, and that sounds good, but that's like three of the band members singing together, you know? Yeah, and I think it's like his vocal's more textural. It's almost like an instrument, same as we were talking about with Zeppelin. Like he's, it's just another sound coming at you. It doesn't really matter what he's saying. But here's the thing: like, you 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 hear Dream On, which actually was on an earlier album, and and only got up to like number sixty. And after this song and Toys in the Attic's popularity, they re-released and it got all the way up to six. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like after this song. This is how, what you hear Steven Tyler doing from here on, is that... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's done well for him. I mean, it's it's not our favorite, <laughs> clearly, but uh, they, he did it right. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll touch on the, the melody a little bit and the songwriting. I mean, it's Neil, you can probably explain this better than I. It's really just in A, and it stays on the one with some riffs, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there, there's some chord changes, but, well, I, I say chord changes, but I don't think there's an actual chord played the whole song. It's all riffs. <laughs> like, really, there's not one place. I mean, I guess on Sweet Emotion, you can strum an A over the yeah. chorus. But the rest, um, you could fit chords in there, but they don't play any. It's just yeah. riff, riff, riff. <laughs> riff, riff, riff. Riff, 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 riff. Because I don't think you can talk about the music without talking about the production. So it's produced by Jack Douglas, who uh, worked with Yoko Ono and John Lennon, Patti Smith, Cheap Trick, New York Dolls, and he did three of Aerosmith's bigger albums. And so they use a lot of tricks in this. You know, I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of like strange instruments, instrumentation that they're using, especially in the beginning, which which worked to great effect. So you know, he did a great job. I mean, you have Steven Tyler obviously singing. Uh, also shaking a sugar packet instead of uh, marachas and hitting a vibra slap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joe Perry doing lead guitar, talk box. Oh, a yeah. year before Peter Frampton came, c- comes alive came out. Also backing vocals. Joe Perry feels like he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Neil. Uh, Brad Whitford on rhythm guitar, Tom Hamilton on bass, Joey Kramer on drums and percussion, and uh, not in the band Aerosmith, but Jay Messina playing a bass marimba. A marimba. 
So literally, it comes in with the bass, and then you have the sugar. He's doing the sugar packet and hitting the vibra slap, and then you have the talk box kind of basically doing sweet emotion. I think really Jeff Beck was the only guy who was really using that thing before this the talk song. Box. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of the best uses of it. It because it's purely textural, and you don't even really notice. It's not in your face, just like someone like robot talking, like like showing. It, it he's not like showing a, off really. It's it sounds just like kind a of there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the vibra slap. He said he broke it on his third slap, and you can actually hear that. I tried to listen for it, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't right, make I it couldn't out. Hear that. Speaking of the production, one of the uh, one of my favorite parts is in the banana banana that backwards. Uh, oh, yeah, like yeah. it's it's a, I think it's just a backwards drum hit. It's uh, kind of cool. So, well, they did do something that they say. So basically, their manager at the time, Frank something, was dying of cancer and sold them to another management company. So they do some claps. They do a clap and say "fuck you, Frank" if you play it backwards. So maybe that's what that is. Because I also couldn't find that in the song. But your drumstick hit in reverse makes more sense to me. I mean, it could be a clap, and then you don't hear the "fuck you, Frank," or that's just textual. It's just like "fuck you, Frank," or you know what I mean. Like, well, you have to play it backwards to hear yeah, "fuck you, Frank." Yeah. Right? To, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna try to say "fuck you, Frank" backwards. I'll work on that for next pod. <laughs> Come on, Neil. Frank, you uh, fuck. Is that close enough? No. <laughs> we'll we'll take it for now. For now. <laughs> Well, Nick, so, so tell that, you know, other, like, what specifically, other than, like, the bass, like, what part of the song is your favorite part? Uh, I, I enjoy the, the breakdown, you know, I enjoy the, like, really? that part. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I, I, I think that, that, I think that, for me, this week, at least, the intro and outro just show, so outshone that part, that I was almost like, okay, can we just get to the break? Can you just do this once into the uh, the little breakdown going into the outro? So you just you want know? an instrumental of the intro into the outro <laughs> <laughs> with like one 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 or two riffs. I dig it. I dig it. That part is very cool, and I feel like it's the intro and the way they harmonize was just it foreshadowed a lot of over the top '80s rock. I think that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. a lot of bands, I would even say like Van Halen, a lot mm-hmm. of the songs just kind of sound like that intro. And I, yeah. so I think that is the the keystone of the song, really. I mean, just still today, it's, it's definitely one of those songs that no matter how good we think the lyrics are or this and that, you can pick it apart. But it's it's got a pretty good hold on kind of rock history. Well, because it has three distinct, very creative parts. Say, my favorite part is the end jam. I think it's kind of unexpected. It's really cool. And mm-hmm. he definitely has a Hendrix thing going on there. Like, even as it's fading out, he's doing that. Oh, yeah, that's great. Well, you know, um, he didn't he didn't arrange the guitar part. So, you know, he had to huh. let go at some point. Speaking of which, I heard a live version where Perry is just ripping it to hell at the end. He's He's got like an octave pedal. And I literally, as a guitar player, I'm walking my dog and I kind of like... He's playing such sweet riffs. I almost like fell over. I was like, whoa, dude. Wow. Stop fucking it. Oh, my God, dude. It's fucking priority of the summer, bro. Whoa. But that, that was right after the skibby doo bop boop bado 
so Josh, actually, you know him too, but we knew someone in uh, in Boston who played guitar very well, and he also grew an unbelievable amount of marijuana. His name was Ollie. Inside an apartment. Inside yeah. an apartment where his whole bedroom was just a giant grow setup, and he was obsessed with Joe Perry, thought he was the best guitarist ever. I think he might have been the president of Aerosmith's fan club in Europe or something like that. And he, uh, he said not... he was a roadie for them because he yeah. had like signed guitars and shit. Joe Perry's, yeah, yeah, and he was uh, wild, and he uh, definitely was just like Joe Perry is by far the best guitarist. And all he did was talk about Aerosmith, and we would all just be like, "Yep, mm-hmm, yep, okay, uh huh." Can we? Can we you want to go uh, snap yeah. off some of that bud? In yeah, the bathroom, exactly. Bro? <laughs> <laughs> some, some of those dank nugs. <laughs> what do you exactly. name it? It's called Sweet Emotion Indica. <laughs> uh, no, it was definitely the White Widow back when names mattered. <laughs> so, anyway, a couple of uh, fun facts about this song. It was their first top 40 single. It got as high as 36. It did make the Rolling Stones top 500 at uh, 408, which seems about right. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, this song is the one that kind of started it all for them. In that regard, to be one of the probably biggest selling bands of all time, I would say, and most popular bands of all time, this is this is where it all began. Mm-hmm. In my apartment, in my college apartment building, which in the video for this song, which is just peak late 80s, it. early 90s fucking music video because they just owned music videos for about a four-year period mm-hmm. and that they, they, they fade in in the song other than the the call stuff to own our own 1325 commonwealth which i lived in is. but in the beginning of the video they zoom in on the building as if they're playing in a bait in the basement which That's they're not amazing. but yeah, yeah but then you know they kind of they juxtapose that with like a, a sex hotline call yeah, it was weird. I, I put on the first five seconds of the video, and I was like, no, I can't do it. I won't sully this song, because I knew what was coming. I didn't want their 90s production of Sweet Emotion. It was like, and then, they, and then they, they ruined phone sex for everybody at the end, you know? It's like, wait a minute. That's not what they look like? Yes, yeah, the sw- sweat hog mama with the face like a gent. Yeah, definitely that, sweat hog mama. Are you saying that lyric doesn't have depth? Said my get up and go must have got up and went. What is with their like? The, do they have that one per song? They talk about dude looks like a lady or like yeah. face like a gent or fucking. I mean, it's Steven <laughs> Tyler's it... obsessed with it because Steven Tyler kind of looks like a lady and yeah, yeah. you know, but he's I not guess. like yeah, androgynous, but also but ugly, a little, little, little skanky, <laughs> little skanky looking, kind of ugly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we're okay. Are we still safe? It's twenty twenty two. You heard it here first. You can you could say that Stephen Tyler would not make the prettiest lady, even though he looks kind of like a lady. I, we could say that. We're being objective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, we're talking about nineties uh, Aerosmith videos, so I think I think I think we're definitely uh, vibing right now. So, so Nick, why don't you take us home uh, and and cue the cue the vibe time music in three, two, one. <laughs> Are you going back to the to the car, huh? Let's see, <laughs> I have you're bringing to. it full circle. I have to. I got. I didn't want to get caught watching, you know, '70s porn by my wife on the phone, so I just had to go the old fashioned. <laughs> All right. Well, it's your song. So, when specifically do you want to hear "Sweet Emotion"? In a lot of places, but I I think Fourth of July barbecue. You want to have burgers. You want to have a pool, and you want it. And you know what? You don't want to put it on yourself. You want it to come on the radio. Hmm. Yes. 
Definitely don't want to put it on yourself. All right, Neil, what you got? I'm going to put it on myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I put down, I wanted to hear it like, it's definitely a great song for the beginning of a road trip. And almost like an early morning road trip. You know, it's just kind of like a, a pick up the coffee. Let's get some sweet emotion going. And then I realized it's basically the end of Daisy Confused, where they drive off in the morning <laughs> listening to the song. Going to get Aerosmith so tickets in 1977. Wanna, yes, I want to be with uh, Randall Pink fucking tearing down the, the street. You want to be with Wooderson? <laughs> I want to hear the song the next time I go to a mall. Just very, very infrequently, and <laughs> something that's like kind of nostalgic. And I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. This I'll I'll do this at the mall instead of like the new BTS single or something. I think you called them BTK in the last podcast. It is definitely <laughs> <BTK>. not. <laughs> it's definitely not what they're BTK. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was referring to a Burger King sandwich. And and speaking of Burger King, I think it's time we uh, slide under the influence. And talk about the influences. I think once again we're going to have a girthy influence week here. Neil, why don't you get us started on this? We definitely touched on Zeppelin. There's obviously a lot of Zeppelin with all the riffs and stuff. And even that that riff, that middle riff we've been talking about so much, reminds me of almost one to one GNR, like something they do. But no, but no, but no, like the beginning is Paradise City. Yep, yep, for sure. And then just some, some songs that are similar, uh, and maybe a little before, like Bob O'Reilly, the way that's such a powerful song and starts with like the, the really creative intro. It's a good call. Give Me Shelter, the way that starts, real moody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I got a couple more, but go ahead. I got a bunch of those. But I mean, I, my influence is just hard to get past the kind of the, the line from Zeppelin to Aerosmith to g <laughs> Yeah. You know, we could have stopped think, there. I think in a sense, you know, Nirvana kind of blew that brand of rock and roll up. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know if any band has kind of brought it back since. Like maybe Jack White, maybe the, the White Stripes a little bit, kind of doing the blues that way. Yeah, Kings of Leon a little bit. Eh, mm. Sex on Fire. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> I like Kings of Leon. You're giving them a little too much credit, I think, with that one. <laughs> oh, Okay. Nick, sorry, it was I just was watching you with that pencil tracing that line, which the listeners can't hear it see. But this is my thinking pistol. I mean pencil. This is my thinking pencil. It was I really it was very number horrible. two pistol. Uh, I, well, I think you touched on it before. My number two special. <laughs> I think you touched on it before uh, with Van Halen. I was surprised how much I felt like this came with Van Halen. But I also think that this album and. It obviously did. Uh, it influenced a lot of hip hop, and I think that bass line influenced mm-hmm. a lot of like mm-hmm. Grandmaster Flash, uh, Sugar Hill Gang, things like that. And uh, you know, Walk This Way, they redid with Run DMC, and you know, became mm-hmm. like biggest crossover hit ever. So I actually think I get a lot of like the hip hop out of this. And again, I heard it on that. Well, you, well, know. you know, and in in that sense, I mean, Steve, we were talking about his vocal earlier, yeah. and he does kind of do a rapping, rapping thing, a right? He he's not even speak singing. Like sometimes he's just fucking rapping. Yeah. So are we, are we are we are we all in agreement that Steven Tyler started rap? Is that what <laughs> you were saying here? He's the, Steven Tyler is the godfather of rap. That okay, skanky God. motherfucker started rap. I mean, she's a real good liar because the backstake bougie sets your pants on fire. It's rap. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's not Biggie. It's not Pac. 
Just one thing, Nick, to piggyback on your Van Halen thing, uh, running with the devil is where mm. this really hits home. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's perfect. Good call. Well, speaking of running with the devil, why don't we uh, slide under the covers uh, and talk about the covers of this song? I'll uh, I'll get us started here. Um, I I didn't listen to a lot of covers. There's, there's a lot of songs. Because usually with covers, I'll go to Spotify and just do song. There are so many songs called Tweet Emotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just kept going through terrible songs that weren't sweet. <laughs> I just not thought so they were going to be emotion. <laughs> Smith song. But um, uh, Leo Kaki and Mike Gordon, I think they do this song kind of justice because it's not about the vocal. It's about the vibe. And they do kind of a jammy, huh. almost cool. jazzy, musically curious version of it that is... is Nice. It's almost like if you want to sit down in the study and hear a version of Sweet Emotion, you're going with the Cocky Gordon version of Sweet Emotion. Bad Marriage and this song, which it can describe them covering the song. It was a bad marriage. It's a cover band bad song decision. with like a cheesy vocal, basically. I did not watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction with Kid Rock because mm. no thanks. Yeah, no thanks. Um, and then Pauly Shore and the Krusties. Ooh. In in a garage is so bad, <laughs> and especially the vocals. Holy shit, it's oh, so bad. Man. It's Polly Shore and a bunch of like old freaking surfer dudes. Just was not... this peak Polly or Polly trying to be? <sighs> this is Polly in, in the last ten years, probably. Oh, no, not peak Polly. Oh no! And then the last but uh, never least, the Dave Matthews Band live. Um, yeah, I mean it's fun and it's rocking, but like it's not great. It's not it, that good. It sucked. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> well, I watched the first, uh, like almost the intro through the first verse. I was like, yeah, I get it. I didn't need any more. I didn't hate it. Thought I thought it was fine. But they were into it. The guitar player was just like, fuck, yeah, this is my chance. Fuck it. Put that violin away. I'm about to rock. <laughs> that's, tr- that's, tr- that's what he says at the end. That's tr- um, any other covers? Uh, I saw a Carrie Underwood cover that made me not want to watch a cover of any song, much less that <laughs> I, song. Again. I liked it. She's a pro, man. What? I, I mean, didn't see it. I don't Jesus. want anything from it, but like, <laughs> I respected so, it. You're, you're saying there's there's no expectations, and she equaled the no expectations. I'm just saying I'm happy for her. She's done very well for herself, and good she for was you. Up, she was up to the task of no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm just basically. You know, lyrics like this can really only be sung by by one, Steven Tyler. I just by, by one, the Godfather of rap, Steven Tyler, um. henceforth to be known as the Godfather of rap, the man who started it all. More here. <laughs> there is a mighty mighty Boston's version that is very weird and kind of punky. Wait, that's not this song though, right? I listened to that and I was like, it this is, is a sweet it emotion. Get, it gets into it, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I it's, turned it it's off. It's completely it so bad. different. It's so um, bad. Yes, it wasn't great. Wasn't great. <laughs> so um, um, even worse than that is the Hollywood vampires. Once again, they strike again. <laughs> the Hollywood vampires strike again and miss the mark. <laughs> There's only one hole on the neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I, I I was digging deep. I found this version of Nirvana teasing it during a song, which was ah. pretty hilarious. For the simple fact that uh, Kurt was in a tiara, a dress, puffing a heater, <laughs> like just watching, watching the drummer and bass player just get get after it. Grohl was shirtless with a bra on. I was like, "What are you guys doing, man?" One more, one of my favorites was uh, it was just on YouTube. These two guys uh, on acoustic 
Wings of Pegasus. <laughs> Ooh, not flying too close this time. Flying just the right distance. Do a cool um, acoustic version. I mean, we could take some uh, some pointers from it. Well, speaking of uh, uh, Wings of Pegasus, I'm sure that uh, a shoe has at some point been called uh, Wings of Pegasus. So maybe back in Roman times. but At least you know, a huff. Uh, boom. <laughs> Nicholas Brennick, everyone. He's been here for three weeks. <laughs> And this is this is the last this is the last gold that you're gonna get from him. But that brings us to <laughs> how does the shoe fit, Neil? How does the shoe fit for Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion? The shoe fits very well, but I'm gonna need a leather vest and about eight scarves to complete the outfit. Ooh, no bandana, no earrings. No, just some scarves. Like three for the mic stand, five. No, uh, three for the mic stand, two for my neck, three around the waist. Oh, none around the leg? Nah, not tonight. Not tonight. Mm, ew, saucy. I, I'm going to say the shoe doesn't fit anymore. And it's it's a classic pair that I grew out of. I'm going to say no shoes. Shame. Filthy, filthy bare feet. And they're going on Neil's dash Ooh. when we go on that road trip early in the morning. Oh. <laughs> Sweet, oh. Dude. It, you can break are, open are, that jar of sweet emotion and pack a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness get some ollie sweet emotion get your skank on i like it i like it and let's let's hope it's a rental well nick that brings us to the end of your run it's been a pleasure having you here on pod gave rock and roll to you hopefully we'll have you back at some point yeah man it was great having you on it was fun doing a boston yeah, it was, run it was really fun it's great hopefully you learned something new about the the town you've lived in for the last 20 years i i have i have it was, uh, it was fun doing it. You want to tell us what that is? Oh, from doing these podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you learned? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I learned that it's Joe Perry, not Steve Perry, <laughs> who is an Aerosmith. <laughs> well, Steve is really on, that, right here. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> our cover of Aerosmith's Sweet emotion
The cover you just heard was performed by Neil Marsh and Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at PodGaveRock. Next week is our 100th song on Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and uh, we're bringing back our original podmate, Mr. Jonathan Horton, and he picked the next song. So, Neil, why don't you tell us what Jonathan wanted to discuss for our 100th song? For our 100th song, we're going to do the one Jonathan wanted to do for our 50th, which is Hotel California by the Eagles. Can't wait! <laughs>